So, hey guys, how's it going? It's going pretty good, Townsend. It's all right. So, Valkenburg this weekend. Yes. Heck crazy. Of a yeah. Uh, got me thinking. I was uh, just did a bit of like research into Valkenburg. Just sounds so sort of ominous mm. and awesome as a name. And uh, so I found out a few little factoids about Valkenburg. Okay. And I'm going to run a couple of these by you. Now, I will tell you, not all of these are true. Ooh. So <laughs> oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you guys to see how much you know about Valkenburg and how well you can tell truth from falsehood. Okay. Okay. So you let me know what do you think, true or false on these. Gotcha. Uh, Valkenburg literally translates literally from Dutch as Falcon Castle. <laughs> true. That's true. Oh, do I? Do I? Am I playing along? Yeah. Oh, okay. Or you're you're part of this podcast. Well, you're just looking at Matt. Okay. Well, uh, it's because I'm trying to talk directly into this new microphone that I have. <clears throat> so yeah, Falcon is Falcon. Mm, Screaming Eagle is Castle. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, basically a castle of falcons. It's pretty badass. Yeah. So speaking of Valkenburg Castle, fact number two, true or false? Okay. Valkenburg Castle was the setting of a scene in the movie Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince where Harry and his friends were chased by dragons while riding cyclocross bikes. Well, false. I'm going to say false. That, that is that is false. <laughs> but what, th Was it filmed there? No. No, oh, it was just okay. totally false. Oh, entirely okay. made up. I've never okay. read a book or seen a movie, so. Yeah, okay. Except well, for the one directed by Alfonso Cuaron, so. So I, know. I don't know which one that is. My auteur. Uh, but I, I don't there. believe there were ever any cyclocross bikes ridden in Harry Potter. That I, was uh, red herring I've, falsehood. No, I, I have seen a few of them, uh, but I have not noticed any cyclocross bikes. Okay, so guys, last one here. True or false? Yep. The town of Valkenburg mm -hmm. was the site of a historic battle between Belgium and the Netherlands where the underdog Belgian general <laughs> defeated the heavily favored Dutch general on the muddy hills surrounding town <laughs> and the river ghoul that flows through the town flowed salty with the tears of the Dutch general and his supporters. Does, did that happen on Sunday? That, that, happened, <laughs> that happened on Sunday. Ding, ding. That's true. All right. All right, guys. Shall we start the show? Let's do it. Welcome to episode 37 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. Hey, Sir Cheerio. This is the T-Bone. And this is the aforementioned Sir Cheerio. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. How are you all doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little bit achy from, uh, from the last three days. Bit of a shock to the system. You've been riding your bike. I have. I even rode it outside one day. You did? I saw you on Saturday. Yeah. Saw you for a bit. We yeah. were all together on Saturday. <laughs> That's true. We all rode bikes together for the first time in probably a long time. Since I, since last year for me. I mean, definitely since last I've year. I've ridden bikes with you, but not with Townsend uh, this yeah. year. 
first day of this year and that's it that's i haven't I haven't ridden bikes with the both of you since uh, 2017 yeah so we got together and did the saturday club ride uh keeping our phones in our pockets and uh, social media on lockdown because the women's world championships were happening saturday morning that's right and uh, we were all going to watch the race after the ride and we're going radio silent so that we wouldn't spoil it yeah that was pretty hard because we had to go radio silent or not check your phone from eight o'clock to it ended up being two o'clock in the afternoon two yeah. or three by the time you and i watched it townsend because we had a meeting after our club ride so i that was the longest i've gone without checking my social media in a long time yeah uh, kind of sad to say did you start uh, to get the shakes I didn't. I mean, it actually wasn't as hard as I thought because I was occupied and I was busy, but I was very much itching to know what the hell happened in the race. Hey, yeah. quick question for you guys. You know, you tell people no spoilers, but then inevitably somebody thinks that they're no spoiling you by saying something like, oh man, I'm no spoilers, not going to say anything about it, but man, that was a great race. That's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? When when you say that was a great race, that is a spoiler. Oh, I think I did that. Kind of, sort of. I mean, sure. As you said, someone says it's a great race to you. That means it came down to the line. Or if we're thinking about cyclocross and the women's race, a great race means that it wasn't someone off the front and they were gone for most of the race. Exactly my point. So here's what I'm saying. Hmm. If someone says man, that was a great race. And you watch the race trying to keep an objective idea and look at it with first impression. If someone goes off the front of that race and gets a big gap and you know that someone has told you, man, that was a great race, you're sitting there thinking to yourself the whole time, you're just waiting for that that break to be brought back yeah. because you know that nobody's going to say that was a great race if somebody just goes off the front and rides away with it yeah. exactly so yeah. that's a spoiler so spoiler. everybody out there in podcast land when you say anything about a freaking race and somebody says no spoilers i haven't watched it yet just do everybody a favor just don't say a fucking thing about it you don't need to say great race you don't need to say oh you can't wait to watch it oh man you've got you know a great show in store for you or anything just just be like okay and zip it and to be clear we're talking about in-person communication with friends yeah. we're not talking about social media post all the spoilers you want on social media yeah it's, it's, it's my responsibility yeah. to not look at social media if i don't right. want to have the race spoiled yeah. but if i'm sitting there talking to you and i say wait, 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 don't say anything <laughs> and then you still insist on telling me it was a great race so no sir cheerio that was not you that was of several people at the uh, Lambra meeting that we went to that oh. insisted on telling us that it, it uh, was a great race. My girlfriend also texted me and mm -hmm. said it was a great race. Yeah, and I, I messaged you both and said I just watched it and it was a great race. But, yeah. Well, so, speaking okay. of... Point taken. Great race. Yeah, it mm. was a great race. I hope you guys Let's have all watched it. it by now because we're about to spoil the fuck out of it by talking about <laughs> it for like the next it hour. Is, it's It's, well, we're recording this two evenings after... And also, this won't go out until at least three, you know, it's at least three days later. So yeah. if, you, if you, you know, I don't, I think we're post-spoiler alert yeah. territory at this yeah, point. We're not worried about that. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be listening to us if you were like, oh, don't tell me about it. Yeah. 
So you guys want to talk about the weekend in general real yeah. quick first? Yeah, let's do that. Because I had a few thoughts just about, you know, the, 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 the venue and the weekend overall. Right. Yeah, so I mean, let's just set the stage. We had uh, two days of racing. Um, you've got on Saturday, you had the U23. Mm. Sorry. U- U19 men. Okay, Wait, so which the jun- junior men. Yes, junior men. On U23 women. Yep. Elite women. Yep. That was Saturday. And on Sunday, you had the U23 men mm. and the elite men. Yeah. So they spread it over two days. Uh, we're at Valkenburg, which is, of course, I actually was unrecognizable to me. It, yeah, from the way it looked. And I think they've made some course changes and stuff, but I remember it from before. Uh, it's usually in October. Yes. It's usually an early season race, so it's a lot drier. <laughs> a lot, lot drier than, than it turned out to be. And plus, they made some changes. That crazy big flyover, multi-level flyover thing. Like flyover and stairs and, yeah. Yeah, that was all Climb new. Climb and even like the stuff through the woods didn't really look the same, probably because the trees are bare as well. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I couldn't find a. You know what? I think the first after you make uh, after the start and they dip down into those little like gullies. Yeah, that area looked familiar, but everywhere else I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't find a point that to, to reference. To be like, oh, okay, yeah, I recognize that photo, or I. And, and so, so that made it kind of new and exciting. Yeah, it's cool. And, and I th- feel like sometimes with some courses as well, they switch the camera positions from year to year. So it does make it feel like a different place yeah. sometimes, you know, and, th- and then you'll go, oh, wait, that's that place from, you know, I remember that from last year, but the camera was looking the other way, mm-hmm. you know. So I think there's always, I think there might have been a little bit of that going on too. Yeah. Townsend, I know yeah. you have a lot of thoughts on this. Well, my overall thought was that the venue totally delivered. Yeah. That it, uh, I mean, uh, Valkenburg to me, as I kind of alluded to in the in the cold open, you know, it sounds like the home of some you know Dutch monster, and uh, or a coven of Dutch monsters, and certainly this was a this was a monstrous course and a monstrous event, uh, super hard. I mean, you had people who know a lot more about cyclocross than I do saying it was the most difficult world championship course in the last 20 years. Yeah. You had, uh, riders, racers saying that it was the hardest course they'd ever ridden. Um, certainly looked extremely difficult. The conditions were just insane, crazy, muddy, hilly. And, you know, often I think, as a spectator or a fan of the sport, when you see that, when you see those kinds of course conditions, those classic epic cyclocross course conditions, a lot of times it it makes for epic racing and dirty, muddy, crazy racing, but it doesn't often or often it doesn't make for really competitive racing. It's just a big old slop fest and everybody's yeah. fumbling all over the place. This course had both. I mean, it was right. epic, epically difficult, crazy conditions. But in almost every one of the races over the weekend, super competitive, tremendous racing action from the fans' perspective. You know, it was no, I mean, yeah, sure, there was plenty of slipping and sliding all over the place, but it was at its core extremely competitive, 
very, very fun to watch, not just to watch people suffer, but to watch people race. Yeah, I mean, there. I think a lot of, a lot of the course provided very challenging um, elements that you had to see how different riders tackled them, um, and, and and amazing ruts, and there was a few downhills or me and you towns were like, you know, this rider is obviously like Sonic Kant or Kitty Compton nailed this one rut so much better than Sonic Kant, and you could just see it every lap, and they had mm-hmm. two different ways of doing it, and you know, you had Evie. Uh, Evie Richards sort of behind the behind her saddle um, in the downhill, like almost had her belly on her saddle or her butt on the tire, yeah. just kind of trying to keep it together. And and that I guess that hill, that downhill is much more steeper because on TV it doesn't look super steep, right? Um, but yeah, just just a good course um, conditions. I guess it just rained a lot before. Is that what happened? It just rained yeah. a ton. It had a ton and of then rain, it, and it was then it. It was almost snowed before the. It snowed between the U twenty three and the elite men's race, so it was very cold too. Yep. Um, yeah, that was great. Like you said, it delivered, and all the riders who were saying it was super hard. The consistent note you heard was, "That's how a world championship should be. It should be the sort of pinnacle of the season, um, the course that challenges everybody to the most." And we saw riders who were finishing, and Evie Alice. I don't know if she. Evie Richards, sorry. I don't know if she actually fainted, but, I mean, she fell over. Like, she was exhausted. And Had she... to be carried onto the podium. Yeah, yeah. I, I think her, her legs were just gone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she just... Uh, <laughs> so they, they basically, yeah, just had to uh, kind of wheelbarrow carry her into uh, into the room to get her warmed up and everything, didn't they? Yeah. So we'll get into some of the results of some of the individual races, but one of the other things I think was sort of notable about the weekend was that in spite of the fact that a lot of people were calling you know certain people locks for for victory in these races including us on the last podcast um, there really were no locks I mean this course undid all of those locks it really upset the pre-race balance there were no great surprises there was no there was there was no one that figured into the to the to the victory that you wouldn't have thought at least had a chance, but, um, you know, nobody, no real dark horse that, that came out of nowhere to land on a podium. I mean, there were a few surprises, but, but no huge surprises. Right. But I mean, everything was just, the deck was just completely shuffled and this was a wide open race. It was anybody's race for, for many parts of the weekend and yeah i think that owes to this to this course and the course design and the in this conditions i think it also really favored somebody who could run as well you know you saw people by the end were basically crawling up there those there were a couple of those run-ups that were and again you didn't really see on tv how steep they were until you would see oh their hand is actually right next to the to the ground there and that there were people actually kind of almost crawling yeah sort of grappling their way up that hill yeah hiking with a bicycle yeah and there was a lot of getting on and off the bike i mean everybody was changing bikes at least once per lap yeah so that's another thing for the mechanics what a you know must have been super hard i mean so much work to do and I think that also played into some of the tactics too. When did you pit? Did you pit every half lap? Did you mm. try and 
make it a lap. Uh, we saw that the pit might have played a part in the elite women's race that yes. we'll get to later. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And you, Townsend, I think you put a note down here about Mr. Simon Burney. Do you want to? Yeah, well, I mean, we can we can discuss that as a group if you like. But my thought was, uh, what a tremendous color commentator for the weekend yeah. uh, Simon Burney was. Uh, just absolute spot on with his comments about tactics, about tires, about gear. Um, he just he just really added a lot, which is exactly to the coverage, what, right? Exactly what you want from that person is adding that extra depth to the to the coverage and i think you know i know um you know ant mccrossan gets a lot of criticism from people but you got to remember he covers every kind of cycling for uci uh i think you know he's pretty good generally at remembering names and all that kind of stuff but it but having that additional technical knowledge from simon burney really enhance the coverage and i would like to hear more of that yeah it was a, it was a good combination and and i don't know what the what the limitations are that that prevent uh, that prevent that from the UCI from doing that or whomever it is that does that for the World Cup races, but it'd be nice if if uh, Ant could have a little help for some of those World Cup races what, as well. I mean, what is? I mean, I know that Simon Burney wrote a cyclocross book. Uh, yeah, I think he's also. Uh, else, I mean, he he's also an announcer too. I mean, that's what does this guy do? Well, I think. Do you remember the? Author? You remember the World Cup race that they had in England a couple of years ago in yeah, Milton, Milton Keynes? Keynes? I think he, I think he's the guy who organized that. Okay. So he's also, you know, he's somebody who puts races on, race promoter. I'm sure he's a former cyclocross racer himself, or he may still race masters or whatever, you know. And he, he seems to have a lot of knowledge. Uh, he features in the uh, movie For the Love of Mud. He's in that. That's right. Yep. So. Yes, I did a quick Wikipedia search, and he uh, used to race mm-hmm. for three years, and now he is a team manager. Okay. I don't know how what updated team? this Wikipedia article is. Ace Racing Team? Yeah, I don't know. Throughout that, the 90s. I, oh, that's a while yeah, ago. So this is not... Yeah. Anyway, so that was, yeah, a great addition. Um, no Tim Johnson, but, you know, he wrote a book on cyclocross, so we'll allow it. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I like Simon Burney. Uh, I'm a big fan of his now. A lot of good tire talk too. He oh, got, Matt, man, you had to went, just be. We went yeah. into the. He went. He like he went into the weeds with the tire talk. Yeah. Which is which is what cyclocross fans want. So that's <laughs> great. Because Ant McCrossin would like, oh, he's riding rounder tires. Those are a little bit more bigger. They're grippier yeah. on the cambers. And, and not to get into a long tire talk segment, but mm, how about the fact that Wout is running 30 mil tires in that race? Interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. So that means we're not, we're not doing a tire talk segment because I'm a little disappointed now. Well, we can. Well, let's do... save that for the, uh, for the, the elite men. So yeah. let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's uh, go over some results here. Mm. Talk about races we didn't watch. Uh, let's well, just start it off. With... I, I, I did. You watched the junior men? Yeah, I got up at four in the morning. I woke up at four in the morning and I wasn't meaning to get up and watch that at four in the morning. I just happened to wake up at four in the morning. And I thought, oh, um, oh, you know what I did, actually? I woke up, checked the time, and for some reason I had some kind of an alert on Twitter. So I went on there to check it. And then I looked at the Twitter feed and 
lo and behold, uh, Bill is talking about the U19 race, and there was a link, and there was a, or somebody posted a, no, somebody else posted a link to uh, a feed for it on Sporza. But actually, it was on the UCI channel. Yeah. So UCI was actually covering the races that weren't featured by NBC in the US. So we could still actually watch those. So they basically covered everything but the elite men and women's races. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but I watched that one on Sporza. It was the U19 men. And uh, wasn't, uh, I mean, I guess you could say, well, I guess, you know, Kopecky, um from the Czech Republic has been that he won the... Uh, the World Cup, U19 World Cup, and has been, you know, the generally the strongest rider all year. But uh, young Ben Tollett of, uh, of Great Britain uh, was tussling with him for quite a while. And it was, that was a great race between the two of them. There was actually a much bigger group uh, for a while there with uh, Lane Meyer was in that group. I think he yep. ended up fifth. Yeah, shout out to Lim. Lane Maher, uh, United States, fifth place. Yeah. So, Bodie, g- give us the results real quick, and then Matt can finish talking us through the race if he wants. Where are we So, at? yeah, we had in first place, we had Ben Tullett. Uh, yep. Second place, Thomas Kopecky. Yep. And in third place, Ryan Camp. And we'll go down to fifth, uh, Tom Lidner from Germany in fourth, and Lane Maher, United States, in fifth. Yeah, so they were all in basically a lead group for quite a while. Kopecky and... Uh, is it Camp, the uh, Dutch rider? Mm-hmm. They got away for a while, and then uh, things started to come back together. Ben Tullett really seemed to have uh, the the handle of the course, and him and Kopecky um, kind of were, were going back and forth quite a bit for the race. They got away from everybody else, and there were quite a few crashes that caused, you know, various issues with the with the chase group and stuff. But uh, Tullett and Kopecky kind of got away. Uh, towards the end, Kopecky made an attack, and and then I think his I think he that was a, it was kind of a last ditch effort because Tullet just rode back to him and uh, and rode away and actually you know ended up with a pretty decent gap at the end. And fun fact, Tullet's older brother Dan finished second in U19 behind Pitcock last year when it was the entire British podium. So. And also, Ben Tollett, very rarely does a U19 rider get to wear the jersey all year. Ben Tollett is young enough that he will actually be able to wear it all year. Because he'll be a, a junior all next year. Yep. So, so the Brits uh, Brits have a shining future, it looks like, in, in cyclocross. Uh, yeah, it would seem so. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the U23 women's race, which was the, the, the next race, yeah. uh, also... Won by a Brit. Uh, Bo, do you want to do the results in that one? And then we can chat about that for a minute if we want. Yep. Just clicking on the old UCI website. So the aforementioned Evie Richard uh, finished first. We had Celan Del Carmen Alvarado in second. Mm-hmm. And Naja Heigl in third. Yep. With uh, Harriet Harnden, who was... 17 16 16 that's right yeah uh, and fourth and yeah. Fleur Nagengast in fifth yeah Fleur Nagengast won the world cup overall for U23 uh I think Alvarado was 
second, right? That's and right. Then, yeah, and, she's had a strong year. And um, Richards was third based on just the two races that the she'd two, done. Yeah, because she Richards won. She actually won a World Cup as oh, an elite. Yes. I mean, she won the overall, but that also meant she won the U23. She still probably raced under 10 races this year. Yep. Um, so so now she's she she won the U23 two years ago. She got a bronze last year, yep. and then she won this year. Yeah. And just point of clarification real quick for anybody that's wondering, there is no uh, women's juniors world championship. So the, but the there will be in a couple of years, I believe. 2020. Yeah. So Harriet is the de facto junior woman's she would have been the winner if they would have raced it together, sort of similar to the yep. U.S. Nationals. She actually lives in the same town as Evie Richards, and they go to the same uh, uh, turbo training sessions together, uh, I think which uh, Liam Colleen runs. Liam Colleen uh, has been a uh, British cyclocross champion, and also I think he may have been at one point uh, mountain bike world champion, or certainly one of the top mountain bike world mountain bike riders so it's not just the water and fish and chips that you're saying no i think there's you know it's a yeah she's actually in malvern actually is uh famous for its spring water so emma white from the united states finished seventh in that race which is a good result for her in in a classy field like that uh no real surprises at the top i think um Certainly no surprise with Richards winning. Yeah, and I think that we, we picked Del Carmen or Alvarado to finish uh, second. Most of us uh, did. did. Third place is po- a possible surprise because I don't think I, I, we, none of us were really familiar with... Uh, no, never heard of her, actually. Yeah, uh, we, we sort of just said there was two in that race, and I kind of feel bad that we didn't even give MOI a shout-out um, or even L- Laura Vadon shot. I did not realize she's still that young. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Evie Richards' next target is the uh, Commonwealth Games mountain bike race, which is coming up soon. So, the third race on Saturday uh, was maybe the best race of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably undoubtedly the best race of the weekend in terms of the action. Uh, That was the women's elite race. by now, I think everyone knows Sonicant has repeated as world champion. But Bodie, if you want to go through the uh, the top five in that race, and then we can talk about it. This one, you know, we've got a lot to say about. I'm sure. Yeah. So Katie Compton, hard fought battle, came in second. Lucinda Brand third. Christine Majeres fourth, and kind of a surprise, Elizabeth Brandau in fifth place out of Germany. Hadn't seen her all year. So. No. Um, but yeah, the women's race was pretty amazing. Um, that was just, that was well worth the wait, Townsend. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, my, my first note for the women's race here is saving the best for the last race. Um, there have been, as we've talked about a bunch on this podcast and just amongst each other off the air, there have been a ton of fantastic women's cyclocross, women's elite cyclocross races this year. Yeah. This one may have been the best. I think I think in, yeah in ter- I think in my top three races of the year it, you put this the women's world championships uh, men's elite nationals and I think there was I can never remember which which European women's race also yeah uh, that Sonic Comp also won but Katie and uh, Katie got second and third 
Yeah, I would also personally, you know, I'm a little biased here, but uh, I would put Namura for the most astonishing performance by Evie Richards coming from all the way at the back to destroy all of the best women in the world. Okay, yeah. On, a, on an incredibly hard course. I'll give you that. So, yeah, but back to back to this race, um, without getting into a blow-by-blow blow of how it, how it all worked out uh, after the first couple laps, it had fairly well shaken itself out to a battle between Sonicant and Katie Compton on the front of the race uh, with a couple close chasers, uh, Catherine Majerus and... Uh, uh, can't remember who else, who was riding with her. Uh, Brand? Lucinda Brand, that's yeah, right. They went back and forth. Yeah. yeah, they sort of went back and forth in P3 and 4. But, but at the front, it was uh, just all action all the time. You know, I I don't know that this is one where we want to say this happened and then this happened or whatever um, in terms of the blow-by-blow of how it played out. But I'll I'll just say that my impression, again, just watching it as a fan, was that Sonicant and Katie Compton both literally, literally raced as hard as they could in this race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, There was a period of time where Compton had gotten in front of Sonicant and had started to run away from her, or ride away from her. And you could see in the body language and the, the, the face of Sonicant right. uh, that she was maybe thinking that the race was getting away from her. She was ghost white. She appeared to just be completely sapped. Yeah. Katie Compton was as well. Uh, you know, no one ever looked like they were just completely in control of the race and 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 in control of themselves. They both were on the limit the entire time, and to to see Sana Kant sort of flip that switch in her mind, where it's like she said, "I'm not going to let this race get away from me. I'm going to win my second world championship in a row. I'm going to catch this woman who is." You know, who, who is an incredible cyclocross racer, uh, and and to see her motor back up to catch Katie, and and then pass her, and then to see Katie now with the same thought, um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was it was, yeah. They really both just left it all out there, and you know, Sonicant won. Deservedly so. I think anyone who watched the race would say that uh, she is was the the stronger, yeah, competitor that day. Deserved yeah. to win her second world championship. It was great that this race wasn't decided by a mistake or a bobble or a bad line choice. That it was purely decided on the fact that you know Sonicant is ten years younger, ten plus years younger. Yeah, uh, and. Um, and on my note here is to to myself was, you know, that's the way it should have worked out. You know, all things being equal, on a on any given day, on a course that that doesn't favor necessarily one over the other, where it's just you know who is the best cyclocross racer. You know, Sonicant I think is the best cyclocross racer in the world right now for the women, and Katie Compton is a very very close second, and uh, and came in second in this race, and it worked out exactly the way it should have. 
Props to Katie Compton. It would have been amazing to see her win, but I think she would be the first one to take her hat off to Sana Kant and yeah. say she beat me because she was the better cross racer. Well, I, th- I think she's, yeah, she did actually say afterwards that uh, she was stronger. You know, she just said Sana was stronger than I was. I, you know, just couldn't, could not keep up at the end there. Uh, but yet to your earlier point, it there was a point where I was watching it and I'm watching Sana Kant, like, you know, front on view of her. And she looked unrecognizable to me. Her face did not look, look like her face at all. And you just know that's like how deep she had gone at that point. She was ghostly pale and almost like gaunt looking in her face. You know, it was just yeah. astonishing, the transformation. And yeah, they they both gave everything and that's what you want to see. That was all out racing. I was talking to uh, our good friend, Wes McWhorter, um, who offered his uh, sort of off the air hot take on, on that women's race. And the point he made was you could see when Sana Kant came across the line you know, she's the defending world champion. She's been there before. Yeah. She's coming across the line. The her reaction, the look on her face and the reaction that she had, you could tell from that reaction how much from the excitement that she had, how much it meant to her and how hard she had worked to get that win. Yeah. And it was that is the I mean, just the talk about the beauty of sport to see someone who's been there you know she's coming across for her second one it's not like you or I winning the world championship like oh my god I can't believe I'm here like she's been there before she expects to be there but in that particular race I think she went through so much in that in that 50 minutes of racing that when she crossed that line it was almost on some level unbelievable to her that she had won that race yeah I mean Sonic Khan is a is a motherfucking grinder. I mean, that was my thought as we're as we're watching that race that she just doggedly would not give up, and just somehow. And we're we're <laughs> I feel like we're keep we're keep talking about how strong she is, but she was just amazingly strong in that race and dug so deep to find something to come back when Katie got that gap. And I was so excited for Katie to win the world championships. Yeah. But then when Sana won. I'm super soaked too, because I, as a fan of cyclocross, you like watching you like watching Sana ride. She just rides her bike really well, and she just looks she looks. I'm saying like she looks good, as in like her skills look good, like her right. form is good, her the way she pedals, the way she runs, she looks like the consummate pro. She yeah. just has it down. Yeah, um, her her running was astonishing to. To defend Katie Compton for a moment, though. Oh, yeah. I mean... Let me just say, Bodie, you and I were watching it and, and looked at each other a couple times. She rode the fuck out of that course. She definitely... She crushed that course. She, she looked so good. Yeah, and that was... The, I feel like it came down to Katie rode the course better, but Sauna was just stronger. So it was almost yeah. like that Wout Vanderpool thing where Wout can ride a little bit loose, but because he's stronger... He, he'll win and, and wow is just so technically proficient and like disciplined that you know he he make he doesn't make any mistakes and that's what it seemed like with katie like that one off camber katie was nailing that every time and, and sonic Kant was like kind of all over the place and there was one turn where sonic kept going wide and, and katie just wrote it perfectly and wasn't wasting any speed and 
got back on her pedals, but just at the end of the day, Sana just had that strength. Yeah. Um, so phenomenal race. Awesome. And, you know, at the end, Sana throws a little shade um, towards some of the other racers. I don't know if you guys caught that. She I said did that catch she that. appreciated that Katie has been racing since September. Yes. Um, I guess that's a little bit directed towards some of the. Well, Mountain bikers and road riders who come in late in the season. Well, like Voss last year. Yeah, Voss. I mean, you know. PFP. PFP when she won. Sana's yeah. infamous frown on the podium, which, you know, it's fine. It's emotion. So show your emotion. But yeah, it was just an amazing race. Um, and as our friend Matt Urchel said, had really awesome hair, like had great helmet hair. And then like at the podium <laughs> ceremony, it got wet and she like just like did a cool thing and like. Her hair was cool again. Jealous. Sana's cool hair. If y'all know me, you, if y'all know me personally, you know why I'm jealous I, of Sana's I, cool I hair. You're just jealous of hair. I am also <laughs> jealous of hair. <laughs> um, the women's field in general, uh, you know, obviously Sana Kant, Katie Compton at the front of that race was to be expected. But from P3 to 15, lots of shakeups. Um that women's field is super sharp at the top, but incredibly strong to very deep in that field. I mean, you know, from week to week, uh, the woman who finishes third one week might be all the way down in 15th the next week and, and flip-flop. I mean, there's a lot of places that kind of, you know, switch in that women's field, and I think that is just a testament to how competitive that field yeah. is. Makes it you know? for super enjoyable uh, viewing, and that's... yeah. I mean, I think we also got to give a shout out um, to L. Anderson, who got who finished eighth. Yeah, I superb mean, performance. I thought it was probably her best race of the year. Well, eighth in the world, and I'm I'm skipping over Katie Q, who got six. So yeah. like, we three have American three women Americans in the top ten. In the top ten. Yeah. That's exciting, uh, inspiring. Just it, you look at the flags in the top ten; it's very diverse. <laughs> the bells of Valkenburg are ringing in the background. <laughs> Chiming. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, here's okay. Here's a, a question for you guys, a hypothetical question. How do you think Evie Richards would have done in that race if she'd have shown up in the elite women's race on that course? Really good question, and I wanted to compare lap times, but I think that's unfair because of the course conditions. Yeah, because I, I was gonna. I actually was. Although gonna, they were, well, they were right after each right other. after each so other. They were, they were on the same, same day. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm not thinking smart. So I think you know it'd be that would be interesting to. Well, obviously we we know that she's raced them and and beat them. So right in similar kind of conditions. I maybe not even, maybe not quite as bad conditions as those, but it was a. I mean, Namor is always sloppy, and there's always a lot of. But there was a lot more dismounts on this course. A lot more, a lot more running. So I think I think she would have been up there, top yeah. five at least, mm-hmm. maybe on the podium. I mean, I think so too. So does that does Evie Richards move on to elites next year? She's done know. three U twenty threes, but she's probably still of age. Uh, yeah, she's only twenty. So she's got two more years at U twenty three, if she wants. We she, shall see. She's won it twice. She needs to move to elites. The off season has officially started. I would say. I would say it's time for her to go to elites. Why not? Um, so. I have a note in here about Ellen Noble. Um, I don't. She finished thirty second. Mm. I'm not exactly sure what happened there. We were talking about that before the 
before we went on air about what happened. I'm not yeah, sure. Don't really know. She just know. had a bad day or if she had a mechanical or what happened. But I don't know if you guys watched the latest Behind the Barriers. I did. Watch and the this happened Behind also last week after we recorded was the sort of the, the non-retirement retirement notice from Jeremy that sort of dovetailed in with that last episode of Behind the Barriers where we learned that right. Aspire Racing will be no more next year. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like Jeremy's still going to race, but I think he's probably going to do it more limited, more local. Almost privateer style kind on of his what, own. Kind of what I said earlier yeah. on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. Yep. Uh, but Ellen Noble said, well, is going to a different team. And Townsend, you and I talked about, we had some some guesses to what maybe is going to be Ellen. Because Ellen talked about some news that she can't can't wait to drop, and we still haven't heard yet. Yeah, which is odd, isn't it? Because you would think that that news would have come in the new year. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on with Ellen Noble, but the fact that... Hot t- should we have some, some steaming takes on that? Well, I've had my steaming take, and my steaming take was that she was going to go to Telnet Fidea. Mm, I have another take. But go ahead. What is your, what's your other take? Canyon SRAM. That's I'm my take. kind of feeling that with a lot of there's been Rafa content and her together like two pieces lately, and for some reason I just I just like. Well, she's feel... got the Rafa connection already. Yes. So um, she's an ambassador for Rafa. Uh, so that works. And they also have a cross presence with PFP, and this would be another string to that bow. And also she'd get some road time too. Maybe do some classics. Yeah, I mean. I uh, I actually like the way that sounds better than uh, Talonet Fidea, which was the other thought that we had put out there. Well, and I, I thought it was like a Trek connection and Trek having, obviously, a presence in the States and branching out to Europe and having another American on that team would be really good to tie those together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I kind of do feel like Canyon Shram or some sort of fit. RAFA program in Europe is, yeah. Well, I think that makes sense for... For from Rafa's point of view, is kind of consolidating their cross setup. Although they still have Sophie de Boer is sponsored by them for cross two. Very, dis- you know, who wasn't there at Worlds? Uh, mm. We've mentioned. Well, she that was there. She at was Worlds. there. She well, was she was commentating. Yeah. yeah, commentating on Sporza, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she and Sven. Yeah. Well, uh, more news to come on that, and we'll certainly bring it to you as soon as we as soon as we hear it. Um, should we move on to Sunday? Let's talk about Sunday. And uh, I did not watch the uh, the men's U23 race. Bodie, do you want to throw some results out for for that one real quick? I can certainly throw some results out. I also did not watch that race. Um, Matt's going to tell us about it. I mean, the, the, big, the big news there uh, is that uh, Tom Pidcock, mm-hmm. our, our pick for, uh, for the win. Yeah. Uh, just had an awful day. Yeah, he did. He was not there. So, so the person we picked in second won. Eli yep. Ezerby. Yep. He had Joris Neuenhaus in second. Yep. Jan Gross in third. Adam Tulpalik in fourth. And Tease Arts in fifth. Yeah, not even fifth place for, for Pitcock. So my Pitcock understanding, finished in 15th. Yeah, he just said he just had an awful day and just, just fell off the whole time. Just you know, just having a bad day. And uh, yeah, a little foreshadowing. So that, yeah, that was, it was a bit, bit of a surprise. I mean, obviously 
He's shown what a phenomenal talent he is. Uh, not to be this year. And uh, I'm sure it won't be, uh, you know, I'm sure we will be seeing him on that podium in the future. If the Brits had uh, won that, if he had won that race yeah. instead of uh, Iserbeet, then the Brits would have had three world champions out of the five races. Yeah. Instead, it was two Brits yeah. and three Belgians, as well, we will get to. Thanks for giving that away. Oh, well, I mean, if you don't know that, <laughs> that by now. Spoiler uh, alert. Well, shout out to uh, Gage Hecht with uh, ninth place in yeah. 2023. Yep, Sorry. top American finisher. And uh, so let's move on to the Big Daddy. Mm. The men's elite race. Guys, we pretty much. I mean, Bodie. Look, I know that you had a you had a hot take, and you said, "Wow, it was going to win because MVDP was going to have a mechanical." And then we sort of riffed on that a little bit, and I said, "Even if MVDP had a mechanical, he was going to get off his bike and sprint past Wout for the win on foot." Um, but I think when we came right down to actually making picks, I mean, didn't we all? I picked Wout. You picked Wout. Even even in a non mechanical scenario. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, doesn't that count? I still picked them. Yeah. Yeah. You win that one. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yes. But let me ask the you podcast. this: when 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 everyone was lining up, in your heart of hearts, who did you think was going to win that race? I, I, I thought Wow could win it. I well, thought Wow could win it. Yeah. I thought well, I thought Wow could win it too, but yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. I obviously you you thought the the smart man would say that Vanderpool was going to win, and honestly, I kind of wanted him to win because you know he had just an amazing season. That yeah. it seemed that him having another rainbow jersey would be right, and that would make sense. But when they were together after lap one, and I was pretty excited, and it it was amazing. And yeah. Yeah. Wout is, you know, so. He talk about you know him and Sana the Belgians. Wow, just top of the top of the stack, just all around consummate pro. So yeah, so Wout plays the New York Giants to MVDP's New England Patriots and ruins MVDP's perfect season. Great, love it. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, I mean, I wouldn't it, have gone with that analogy, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you know you could say okay MVDP. You can would, lay a football analogy. On MVDP us. was far and away the most consistent best bike racer all year until yes until yesterday. But but Wout was the second most consistent yes but, best but bike still, racer all year long. I know, but but it was it was a distant second as well, and then everybody else was a, a way distant yeah. third. So they, yeah, I mean, yeah. When you look at the metrics of the way the season has played out, yeah, and you just sort of go with the way things have gone, you know, I mean, taking any course conditions, any set of circumstances into account, no matter how you put the numbers into the actuarial table for 2017, 2018 cyclocross season, MVDP. And when you when you plug it all into the computer and it spits out the most right. likely to win, he's got to have a he's got to have a seventy percent, eighty percent chance of winning the world championships. Well, actually, actually, I mean, if you looked at like from the World Cup standings, I think I shared that with you guys the other day. There were, if you a perfect season in this 
in this last uh, in the World Cup would have been 720 points. MVDP got 695 points. Yeah, pretty he, amazing. He never finished off the podium. He won seven races, finished second once and third once, which is astonishing. An astonishing it really achievement. Is. And let's be fair to him as well. He was not off the podium in this race either. He which was is, not. No. And it, you could tell he just didn't have his usual power. It just wasn't there. Even when, even on those moments where he would be really, you know, using his power to get back, he just didn't have it. It just wasn't there. So something was amiss. Yeah. Other than like he made mistakes, but I think he was just. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, and back back to my back to my football analogy. It 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 it, it just goes to show that you can have a great consistent season. Yes, almost perfect, or yeah. in some cases, perfect by by someone's definition. And on a one day race or a one day event, like the World Championships, like the Super Bowl, um, where you're being judged only on that on what happens on that one day. The season's out the window, and and it's all about the race on that day. And on this day, Wout was far and away the better racer. Yeah. Stronger racer. Far and away. Uh, He really had the measure of that race, of that course, of those conditions. Uh, Yes, he was. And I think it bears at least throwing out there that Wout really targeted world championships. You know, I mean, sure, maybe it's an easy cop-out to say, well, I'm really targeting the World Championships when, you know, you're down far enough in the World Cup standings that you know you're not going to win the World Cup overall. Right. You know, maybe you can sort of let up, reset your goals. Wout said something to the effect of, hey, you know, I'm the underdog in this race. I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. But if in his mind, you know, he has focused himself on this one day on this one race whereas mvdp Mm. has spread himself across preparation and consistency over that um, entire season you know maybe that does give wout a bit of an advantage in in sort of mental and physical preparation to be able to focus really on that one specific race yeah so yeah you know wout is a world championship specialist yeah that's his that's his thing I mean, it's it's impressive, you know. Three in a row is phenomenal. That hasn't happened for a long time. Three, three in a row when when you're when, fighting, the other... when you're fighting MVDP for all three of those. Yeah, yeah, three in a row, and and when MVDP won his the first year, they both raced the elites. Wout had a couple flats, dropped his chain, and started running negative splits, and was running faster laps. And almost caught MVDP. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, if wishes were fishes, you know, we'd all be slimy and scaly. But just thinking about the, for four <laughs> years, I mean, wow, is all you know. You could, he almost had four. I don't know. I just. Yeah. I feel like. Well, it, and also, I mean, if you think about like you know Sven, the greatest racer of his mm-hmm. era, mm-hmm. very few world championships, right? Yeah, Did just he win- two. To just two, just two, and they were and they were kind of yeah. bookended, like yep. beginning and end of his. Stenic Stebar has more world championships. Stebar has more. Stebar, Stebar, Stebar decides to show up like two weeks before and wins a world championship. And yeah, so Wow and Stebar both have three wins uh, this decade. Yeah, which but is- Wout is still just just turned twenty three. I think he might be twenty three now. Yeah, I think, 23. I think MVDP might still be twenty two. 
Not sure. Yeah. Uh, well, Wout's racing age is 24. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's 23. So, MVDP, I think, is four years. They're both 23, I think, yeah. then. Um, but MVDP is about four months younger. A couple quick notes about the MVDP versus versus Wout in this race. And then mm. just in general, in terms of their legacy, before we start moving on to talk about some other big surprises and, and results in that race. My note after this race was that uh, Vanderpool is a bigger talent. But Wout is a better pro. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think mm. you just see that just in, in the way that Wout speaks after the race and is composed and his social media presence and just his relations with the sponsors. Yeah. I think his training. Yeah, you know? his training. He's, uh, I, you know, so then I have a few sort of, you know, this versus that when you look at him, you know, the consistency of Wout versus the athleticism. And I don't mean consistency of results. I just mean consistency of training and focus of Wout versus the pure athleticism of MVDP. I mean, you know, no doubt MVDP is a is a better athlete, probably a stronger cyclist than Wout. But Wout's consistency of, of mental and physical preparation, I think, gives him an advantage in these world championships. Program versus power, that is, you know, Wout's training program and just as the, 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 the mental focus program versus uh, MVDP's raw power. Because what you see is in a race like this Sunday, you know, when when MVDP's power fails him, now of course anybody who loses, you know, loses power is going to struggle in a race. But when, when Vanderpol's power left him, that was it. He didn't have, you know, it's like he didn't have anything to tap into to give Wout a run for his money. It's like he lost the focus. He lost... Yeah, when he couldn't cover, we, we've Wout's seen that happen, and we saw that happen. Yeah, we saw that happen last year. It's like he almost gives up, and yeah, that's it's he, mentally he's not as strong. Although he might have shown some growth this race by the fact that he almost lost the podium, uh, two was on yeah. his heels, and he seemed to fight back and find something. And maybe that's something he can build on in the future is learning how to sharpen that you know tool. And also, I think I think his comments after the race this year were a lot more sort of mature. Yeah. And he was basically saying, "Yep, yeah, I just didn't, I I didn't have it today. I just didn't have the power, and I didn't have, you know." And actually, had he had, he admitted that he had almost given up, and that he said it was the crowd that brought him back into it, cheering right. him on, and and his he became steadfast in his resolve to not let the Belgians sweep the podium. Yeah. Okay. That's and, great. And and you could see when when that happened. He rode away from Toon. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. just absolutely once <laughs> yeah. once he relit that match. Well, he, he was gone. And also, I th- I think Toon really probably took himself over the limit trying to catch him, and then and then it yeah. was yeah. So speaking of Toon, um, let's let's go through the the poet and the the results. We got Wout in first, MVP in second. No, nope. nope. sorry, sorry, Spud, Michael sorry. Van Turnout, Michael. Van Turnout in second, Michael who had an amazing Spud, race. Van yes. Vanderpool in third, Tunarts in fourth, and Lars Vanderhaar in a fifth place that he was pretty happy with. Yeah. Van Turnout, second best on the day. Absolutely not an accident. No. Nothing accidental about that. He rode a phenomenal race. And he attacked the giant a few times. He and, attacked and him. And dropped him. And dropped him. Yeah, he smelled the blood in the water, and uh, and that was it. And he was he was a lock for he was a lock for second place, uh, pretty, you know, by the middle of that race. And uh, man, that was he, you talk about somebody that was excited 
to come across the line yeah. in second place. Yeah. Man, he just He did. felt like he'd won it, didn't he? He felt like he'd won it. Absolutely. And why not? I mean, you know, that's probably maybe the first time he's beat MVDP in any sort of heads-up race. I mean, maybe if he's beat him when MVDP's had some mechanical or something like that, but well, and that was that was redemption for a pretty lackluster season. Yeah, it was. I would say he's kind of the last few races he's been able to have some good results, and I think that will give him a boost coming into next season. Well, you know, question. I mean, he's the former U twenty three world champion. Mm. Um, is the world championship in his future, or is he is he doomed to the fact that he's got? you know, Wout and MVDP as his contemporaries. Well, well we, we can well, talk a little bit about... We've talked the, a bit about that last week, and I think this might change things for MVDP. Um, but I think Michael could win in a few years, although yeah. I think Pitcock's coming up, so... Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And Ellie, too, you know. I yeah. mean, he's, he's, a, he's a phenomenal force, too. He'll definitely be racing elites next year. Uh, whether Pitcock does or not is uh, is up for grabs. But on, on that same subject, though, I would say, well, maybe we'll move on to that in a minute. I think about about Wout and MVDP. But uh, we talked last week about uh, the Belgian uh, Cyclocross Federation, their selection for the uh, World Championship team, and a little bit of consternation about that. I don't know if this is. Uh, Counts as redemption, but all seven of the Belgian team finished in the top eleven. Six of them in the top ten, and then yeah. uh, the 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 lowest placed Belgian in this race was eleventh. So does Quentin? Yeah. Quentin well, Herman's that's got it. He had the by the beer. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Dan Sota was top ten, ninth, ninth. Yeah, so, I don't know that it means that Cake Powell wouldn't have been up there. You might have. It's 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 by no means their best performance ever because they have actually finished one through seven in the world championships. It was basically a team time trial. Uh, where, and you know who was the seventh when they finished one through seven? Uh, I'll just throw Sven out. Yes, it was Sven. Sven was the last man of hmm. the seven. What race was this? Uh, that was when it was at Coxsider. Hmm. Um, Probably seven or eight years ago. Yeah. So. so yeah, Gioli Bertolini, Italy, sixth place. Great result. Fantastic re- result re- from he was stoked when he came across the line. Oh, yeah. I don't blame him. I Superb mean have we said him. his name all year? Yes. No. We have. We oh, we, we've Bertolini talked about before. him, sure. But he's had oh. some strong races where he's been right up there. Actually in the Euro championships, I think he was okay. he was up there for quite a while uh and then faded towards the end. But he's He's had some moments. Uh, strong rides by Italians uh, this year, this season. Uh, Eva Lechner had a bit of redemption this year. Really, you know, came back, finished third overall in the World Cup. And had, a, had a great start in the uh, women's elite race as did. well, but faded and, and didn't have the result that, that she wanted. It looked like she struggled a bit in the mud. Yeah. Steve Chanel, 10th place. Yeah, great for him. French champion. Yeah, I mean... Like that guy. I mean, I liked him ever since uh, two years ago when he he took Telena Fidea to the line and beat him at uh, Trek Cup. Oh yeah, you guys remember that race? That, that was, was great, an amazing race. That was a great race. Yeah, and um, Stephen Hyden fifteenth. Solid, solid result. I think I mm. think I said eleventh. Um, so Stephen, it's okay. 
uh, you know, my still, hot my hot take was third, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a fairly steaming. He uh, was in third take. for a, a minute there, I think, for maybe literally about a minute. Sounds like he said that it was like one of the hardest courses, and he really was doing all he could just to, um, you know, ride like ride upright, and so to get fifteenth yeah. is. It's phenomenal, and, and, and I not was... only that, he didn't drop back at all, really. He, well, I mean, he obviously started near the front, but then kind of fell back he to in. Fell this, back to I think six. He, was he actually 16. made up a few places. He made up some spots. Yeah, yeah. He, I think it was up to fourteenth at one point. Um, but I was thinking that maybe you know what, the the uh, gosh the uh, the thing that MVDP needs to look at is training with Stephen Hyde in Spain. <laughs> That might be the golden ticket. Yeah. Stephen High might be the lucky charm, you know? Yes. Well, He's uh, got that ravishing red hair, you know, beautiful laugh. Um, I was listening to the the cycling podcast now, has a cyclocross podcast. Yeah. And Renat was talking, well, he said that he was seduced by Hyde. <laughs> so something was lost in translation. There. Or not. <laughs> or not, yeah. Or as I was saying, ravishing. Um, but Hyde is called, wow, the new Boonin. Yeah, well, and you know what that's all about, right? So Doing, doing the classics. Yeah, so uh, Willem's Veranda, or Verandas, or whatever it is. Uh, so if you need a veranda for your house, okay. that's, that's who you go to uh, when, you're, when you're building your place, and you're going to use your Sudal, and you're going to get your quick-step floors, mm-hmm. and then you're going to get My your, grout. You're gonna get your Willem's Veranda. <laughs> so they have a bit of a coup really for them this year. They've got invites to both Paris Roubaix and the Tour of Flanders. Oh, I didn't realize Tour of Flanders had been added They've to the list. They've been added to the list. So too. is Wout gonna go Yeah, first do off, Tour of Flanders? Possibly uh, starting that. He's gonna start at Omloop. Omloop. Yeah. Which wow. Omloop is the start of road season, right? Uh, yes. Start of the classics. Well, no. The isn't Omloop the uh, official start of the road season? <laughs> it's the, it, yes, depending who you talk to, it's the real start of the road season. Yeah, is I mean, Omloop. Yes. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm. I yeah, it'll, I'm really excited to see how Wout does. Will you guys be putting on on your fantasy teams, your classics fantasy team? Oh, I'm gonna do it just for the hell of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do it. Ooh, that reminds me, Classics Fantasy is the best fantasy, and that's coming up. We'll start yeah. a league. We should start a Yeah You Ride podcast league, Yep, and we can do a uh, wrap-up every week on that. So we should, maybe we, should we sort- can like give that something to a winner. Mm. We should line up some nice prizes for that. Speaking of wrap-ups, guys, can I throw a few questions out to you? And this, I guess this is our sort of wrap of the cross season. I mean, the season's over. Well, yeah, uh, the, I, the, the silly season begins. Racing, there is I'm, the dregs after this. There is. They, you got to finish Super Prestige. There's one more Dave Ave. Yeah. I'm not watching any more Cross, though. I decided that. Oh, there's Marty Cross, too. Don't forget Marty you're not Cross. Watch, I'm not going to watch any more Cross. Like, I can't. Is this, like, is this like you're done? So, like, I won't watch the Vuelta because I'm just worn out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you guys have to tell me. I mean, I'm ready for road. I'm getting... The racing road in Texas. All right. Well, then, Bodie, that's perfect. Oh. So we'll wrap the cross season with the Bodie Bodie right now. Yeah. Uh, and Sercherio, please appreciate your input on some of Wait, this as well. Wait, hang on. But we do. We need to talk about j Do we talk about that before I think or you after did talk questions? about j yeah, Okay. Did. We did, did we? 
You talked about the fact that Aspire is no longer, and okay. he's sort of uh, retired, right. semi-retired. We did I, say that. Yeah. I, Sorry. I'll just add briefly to that. On social media, it's actually been really nice all the seeing all the other cyclists and stuff on social media who say what an amazing guy J-Pow is. I mean, it is, is almost like announcing a retirement because they're saying, you're, you, you know, I raced with you on this team back then or you did this, you know, for me and all this kind of stuff. I mean, he's been a really great champion for young racers yeah. with, with uh, the Jam Fund. With the Jam Fund and also just been, you know, I mean, and everything he's done with promoting cyclocross with well, behind the barriers. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think it's fair to say that he's been the face of U.S. cyclocross now for totally. the last five years. He got me into cross when I don't know how this happened, but somehow I found behind the barriers, I think before our 2013 uh, cross season, our first season, to, you know, doing cross. Yeah. And I like binge watched all three seasons one night because yeah. I was so intrigued by this new, like, to me, new to me platform, and he did a good job of introducing to the characters and what the sport was about. So, right. yeah, J Pow is the reason I love Cross. Well, and through the transitive powers of social media, um, and through our participation in the Cyclocross Clinic that was put on by, among others, Dan Teeley, who co-wrote the book uh, "Skills, Drills, and Belly Aches" yeah. with Jeremy Powers. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Jeremy Powers is a friend of this podcast. Absolutely. Fair Fact. to say. I have a signed postcard or writer card on my refrigerator. I mean, it's it's addressed to Emily. He said, like, nice to meet you or I don't know. So, But still, yeah, he's a part of our household. So, yeah. peace out, J-Pow. You're an awesome <laughs> well, dude. I don't think he's leaving. Well, yeah. okay. R.I.P., J-Pow. But I didn't uh, say R-I-D. I said peace out. But we maybe, should pull, I'm going to pull one out for, for J-Pow right now. Maybe he'll have time to come race <laughs> in New Orleans now. All right. Cyclocross season wrap. You guys ready for this? Yes. yes Throw a few questions out. I'm going to skip question number one because I think we already talked about this, which mm. was uh, whether or not that women's uh, world championship race was historically great. Answer I is say yes. It, I say it was historically great. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, question two, does Katie Compton have another run in her next season? Yes. Yes. All right. No I agree with that. I think she does as well. I, I, I will, uh, just to expand on that, Mark Legg has already said, okay, time to, time to figure out what we're going to tweak for next year. So, yeah. I think, I think she, she's not done. I think she has another two to three years. Okay. Yeah. She's not losing. It's not, I mean, she's still no. kicking everybody yeah. else's ass. Yeah. She deserves a world championship. She absolutely well, more no than, one more... deserves anything, but I want her to win one. Yes. Uh, other than Katie Compton, who's the biggest threat to Sana Kant winning the hat trick next year in the Evie World Richards. Championships? Evie. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might. Uh, think I might agree with you on that one as well. Or PFP. That's if Evie does it. She's still got a couple more. Or years. Well, that's, that's question four here. Your line of Neff. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's about fifteen women. True. In that field, as we talked about before, I think Neff, that could compete well, for the world championship next year. I, I think if Evie chooses to do it, then yes, she's the one that can really challenge for it. Uh, the next question sort of relates to this: uh, Do uh, Pitcock and Richards race with the elites next year, or do they race U twenty threes again? I'm here's the here's the thing for the. The great thing for Richards is... Pit, well, okay, we're going to do Richards first. Well, I'd say the great thing for Richards is is that she'll... The U23 and Elites is the same race in World Cups. Right. So maybe she should do a whole season. 
uh, and figure out, see how it goes, see how it goes, because she can still win U twenty three World Cup, and then declare for the elites and World Championships, and decide whether she declares for the elites and World Championships or not. I, th- she's already won it twice, U twenty three. Yeah, I think if she has a good World Cup season, she should go elite. So we all presume that 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 Pidcock would. Uh, had a great shot at winning the U23 championship this year. Does the fact that he had such a bad day um, affect his decision for next year? Does he come back and try to win the U23 world championships? I think so. Okay. I think he steps up. You think he steps up? I think he needs to. Okay. Uh, Hmm. Okay. Well, but then Ellie didn't, and Ellie's uh, older than him. This would be the last, I think this would have been the last year for Ellie. Also true. Um, I, I I think Sven would probably push him not to. Okay, that's fair. Good point. He's in the tunnel. Yeah, okay. All right, I had a question about Van Turnout, but we sort of addressed this one already. Um, I think this is an interesting question. How does MVDP respond to this loss? Um, a lot of speculation. I mean, Matt, we... He's going to win some mountain bike World Cups. That's our response to that loss. Yeah. Does this... Does this give us all at least an extra season with MVDP and Cross, uh, as opposed to you know losing potentially losing him to the road earlier rather than later? I mean, we talked about I, no, we're know. not going to lose him to the road. I don't think. I no. think he's going to do Cross and mountain bike are going to be his two focuses. Okay, uh, for the next year at least. He wants he wants the mountain bike uh, Olympics, so. He's got to do mountain biking this summer to really build up and really be able to challenge Nino. And I think he's still going to focus on cross. So you think Wout is the, is the more likely to, Wout's the more questionable because he has three world championships. He has three. I mean, at this point. So leading me to, to my next question, Wout Van Aert, Mm. three world cup, three world championships on the trot. As you Brits say, yes, three in a row. Yeah, hat does, trick. Does that does that now uh, does that now put him amongst the greatest of all time? Hmm. It puts him in the hall. Um, you yeah, know, yeah, it's hall of it's hall of fame. He's isn't definitely it? he's definitely on the guest list. I mean, he's definitely in the rope the ballarded off <laughs> table in the VIP section. <laughs> yeah, he's in the champagne room. He's in yeah. the he's in the the the, the elite five. No, I don't. I don't know about the five. I mean, there's some. There's some greats. You know, no, he's no Eric de Vlamink yet, and he's no, and he's no Sven yet. So even though he's got more world championships, he does. But but Sven has 50 World Cups, right? And you know all the other like amazing stuff he's done. And is he even a Stibar yet? You know, it's uh, it's questionable. Next question, guys. He's done it younger. He's done it a lot younger than yeah, anybody else. Right, but and, and so right, he's got a long he's got a long way to go. He's certainly he's certainly on pace. But it, but he hasn't dominated the season enough yet. I think he needs that. He he would need that. He did well. last year. He did last year, but that but he dominated the first half of the season till MVDP came. Well, back. MVDP was injured the first half of yeah. the yeah. season, right? So well, all right, guys. Given the way that Vanderpoel rode and Bohenza this year at yeah. the World Cup, mm-hmm. and given the fact that the World Championships are in Bohenza yeah. next year, 
is it safe to say that in spite of MBDP's loss in the World Championships this wow, year... this is a steaming hot one, isn't it? ...that he's already the favorite for the 2019 <laughs> World Championships. As it stands right now? Sure. Yeah. yeah As we yeah. sit here right now. Why, why not? Yep. But it's also going to be this time of year. I bet Bohensa's pretty... I don't know. Is it snowy? Is it whatever? Is it, you know, it might favor Wout. Who knows what the course conditions will be like. Although it does have a lot of longer power sections on that course, doesn't it? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, why not? Uh, final question, guys. Uh, we alluded to this as we were watching. How badly do we all need this uh, World Championship bobble hat? Yes. And you, yeah. Throw that one up on the site. I mean, that is just, that it's, is so sweet. It's stylish. And I looked at the rest of the site on uh, it's bigbobblehats.com co.uk i believe is the, is the company I like the black the black world champ one have you seen the u.s one they, they have like all yeah. of them the you uh the british one is sold out unfortunately sold out. i didn't see that yeah but the, there's a u.s one there's a belgian one there's a dutch one the flying dutchman as it's known there's uh, there's a bunch of them but they're they're all awesome and I, I think we just need those massive bubbles for next year no matter what yeah i'm a big fan of that world championship hat i really like it i like it too but i think i'm gonna i'm gonna get myself a a british bubble for uh for hanging out for cross uh next season sounds good yeah, all right well that's that. it that's uh, that's my wrap on the season i uh, thanks for playing guys all well, right i think we we pretty much hit the limit of our podcast i mean we maybe there's a few couple road things going on um but as i just declared road season doesn't start until umlope het newsblatt yeah i'd, I'd so, say we uh i'd say we do a little uh you know road recap for the last couple weeks on next week's podcast because we're not going to have a bunch of cyclocross to talk seeing, about seeing as bodie doesn't want to talk about cross anymore yeah. so uh <laughs> bodie can do all the road stuff oh because he's going to have all those uh you know they're just starting racing in dubai or wherever uh this week so you can, I did, you can cover that i did look at some news and read some articles on cycling news cavendish is going to you know use the desert for his training and mm. uh um i try to get all the races straight in my head and figured out where they're all located um but i did want to bring one thing was that uh you know an, an update that just came across the social medias with the adrian costa the next great american road racer yeah. is Following you into retirement, Bodie. Yeah. He gave up his spot on Action Hagen's Berman. Um, just he quit racing last year, I guess in May or April. Um, but Action was going to have him come back this year. And he just decided that he is just not ready to race yet. His head's not there. And he decided if he wasn't going to be 100% into it, that some other more deserving you know, up-and-comer should take a spot. So he gracefully bowed out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the kid was burned out. I mean, he was racing so good, so young. And just, as yeah. he, as he kind of says in this article, he just didn't, he, his balance in his life wasn't right. Um, and so he's trying to find other things in his life that, that he's passionate about. And I hope that he figures it out because I love being a homer for American racers. Um, but, yeah of a loss for the american domestic and international scene yeah it's uh it's uh slightly surprising news i mean we've seen this from uh i think you know a couple of australian races of you yeah. know hot young talents have did the same thing has happened where they've just gone yeah i just it's not i'm not i'm not into it my heart's not into it we've had you know various people do things like 
hey, I'm going back to the track, and then maybe I'll come back and do some road. I mean, we had, uh, uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? Uh, little Aussie Climber makes the movies with his brother. Oh, Lachlan. <laughs> Lachlan Morton. Yeah. Who, you know, he, you know, basically kind of dropped out of the world tour and rode the U.S. domestic scene. Now he's back in the world tour. But, you know, that was kind of like, you know, you're already up, you've made it to the top, but it's no, it's too much and I'm going to step down. I don't. I want more stability in some kind of way, that kind of thing, and I'm not quite ready for for that. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think. I think the, there's a lot of pressure, and it can. And it, if it gets into your head, it can be really difficult. There's a lot of travel. You're never. You don't really have a home. You know, lots. Of I think things it's like a. That. It's a. A lot of work, and it's a huge commitment. And if you're not a hundred percent into it, then it's just painful. Um, you know, if, but if you have that fire, then it's worth, you know, going out and doing those five hour solo rides or doing those intervals, you know, mm. yeah, <laughs> which I don't have any desire for Like, right. When I like see watch racing, I think about being fast again and it kind of makes me excited. But then when I think about what it takes to get fast again, I just, or fast relative to myself, guys, I'm not fast. Um, I just have no desire, but I still want to promote races and put on a good events for all y'all. And I want people to still race bikes. And I like racing bikes and thinking about making this weeknight summer crit series happen. Guys, I uh, did a little research on a location. I think I found a good route. I yeah, looked big, into big news to come on all that. Yeah. What it mm. takes to, with the city to make it happen. Yeah. So I think, I think next week we should, uh, we should start with some with some road news. Uh, there's local road news. We just had the Lambra annual meeting on on Saturday, so we've got some stuff to report about that. Some interesting developments in terms of, you know, some new racing opportunities locally. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll start getting into that now that the now that the cyclocross fire is uh, starting to burn itself out. We'll be back to back to back to the road. We're and we're coming up on a year of doing this silly podcast. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we've made it to the end of our agenda. Um, Mm. I guess I'll start the goodbyes tonight. Signing off, saying that uh, this is the T Bone, saying that I hope no more cyclists retire, Bodie, because I'm still getting over your retirement. (laughs) And this is a Cheerio saying. I'm uh, currently uh, in the process of uh, sending an, an email to Dugast requesting my 30 mil <laughs> rhino treads in the new special soft compound on flying Dr. Casings. Yeah, I think they're only, what, uh, 500 euros a piece? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. And this is the Bodie Bodie saying, don't worry, Townsend, I may have retired from training and racing, but I still want to beat you up at Tuesday Loops. And you will. Good night. Good night.
Guten Tag. What does that mean? Good day. Okay. All right. Um, how do you say good day in Dutch? You're the man now, dog. <laughs> <laughs>